0: Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to The Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and his church than when you tuned in. Hey, Real Life, my name is Richie. I am so glad to see you today and it is Thanksgiving weekend. I am so thankful for you, so thankful for the heart that you have for God, for people. Man, in such a crazy time, it's so important to keep things simple. What are we about as Jesus Church? We are about loving God with everything we've got and loving people as passionately as we can. It gets really cluttered and confused with all the pressure we're in, but it's that simple. Jesus and people. And I I just love your heart to be that way as a church. I'm so thankful for your generosity. You gave thousands of dollars to bless families in need for Thanksgiving. So many meals were delivered this week to families in need. Thanksgiving was a massive blessing because of you in so many lives that looked hopeless, Despair seemed to be the only option. You brought hope. You brought joy. You brought Jesus to so many people this week. I just want to say thank you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your passion for people, the love and the heart that you have for people. Happy Thanksgiving in your life. It is so good to be together today. I'm praying that God speaks to you. I know this conversation has um, some intensity to it. I know it has uh, a lot that's going to uh, spark conversation for many of us. Whether you know Jesus or not, I believe this conversation is gonna be a really good one for you to process through with some friends, some family members. And, And I'm really praying that God just makes it really clear in your heart who He is, how much He loves you, and really the call that He has for every single one of us. I wanna pray for you before we get going today and uh, just believe that God is gonna speak. Would you open your Bible right now to Luke chapter 12? Uh, We're kicking off uh, Luke 12 today and then we're gonna actually hit pause on Luke, dive into a series about hope uh, for for this Christmas season. And so uh, I want you to just turn there in your Bible, Bible app, Uh, maybe you need to Google it or ask somebody in the house with you where Luke 12 is, but get there and let's pray. God, we look to you now, speak. Holy Spirit, direct this time. Jesus, make your heart and your word clear. We just thank you for your passion for us, your heart for us, God. Uh, speak to us in this time. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. One of the most difficult things is to have internal conflict, like inside your own soul. You know that, you know that feeling, right? When you can't really decide. I was thinking about when God first called us to move to Spokane to plant this church. It was a hard decision. Some of the leaders in my life, the elders at the church we were serving at came to me and asked me to pray about leading the charge in in Spokane and planting this next uh, church that God had called us to. When they asked me to pray about it, I didn't feel like I could even, I was allowed to pray about it. I had been working so passionately on just being faithful where God had called me, where he had given me a place to serve in North Idaho. And I was just like, this is my zip code. These are my people. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life invested in these people. And faithfulness was something God was building into my life at that point. And so to even think of praying about another opportunity or what's next felt unfaithful. And so I remember my first prayer was, God, am I allowed to pray about this? Is it okay that I pray about maybe doing something other than what you last told me to do? And I remember that internal conflict stirred me deeply. And then as as I prayed that, I, I felt Jesus release me. Like say, yes, you can pray about that. And then I went home and I talked to my wife about it and conflict kind of started to arise because I mean, all of our family lived close by. My in-laws were super close. I mean, there was this sense of like, no, this is home. This is forever. This is where we're always gonna be. And her and I wrestling through, what if God does want us to go to Spokane? And then I remember just the internal conflict was so strong. It almost felt like Jesus or my wife in that moment, which seems strange, right? Like how could that be the choice? And so we kind of dialed back and over the next several months, um, we just continued to process and I kind of really sat back. Honestly, I tried to not make a decision. Mentor in my life kept pushing me though, kept pushing and pushing. You got to decide, you got to decide, is Jesus calling you to Spokane or not? And I hated it. I hated that push, but I needed that push. And I remember finally getting to the day where I just said, okay, Jesus, do you want us to plant a church in Spokane? And I remember so clearly he said, yes. I was like, great. How am I gonna talk to my wife about this? I was like afraid, like how how can we process this together? And I remember I went to her that night and I was like, babe, I don't even know how to talk to you about this, but I really feel like God wants us to plant a church in Spokane, but I'm not going anywhere without you. And in that moment, I just loved what God did in her, did in me. She said, well, baby, if that's what Jesus is telling us to do, then let's go, I'm all in. And I remember just being so relieved like, well, that was a lot simpler than I was making it. I had, I had built up all these conversations in my mind and my heart and what if she says this and how do we do that? And, and, and all this conflict was just raging inside me for three months. I could have saved myself three months of misery if I would have just clarified my heart in that conversation right up front. Jesus leadership is the most essential thing in my life and the most essential thing in your life. And I think that conflict comes in our hearts as we can't decide, do we please God or do we please people? Jesus huddles up his disciples in Luke chapter 12 and and he's helping them to navigate this tension because it's a growing tension. The crowds are growing, the pressure is growing, the intensity is growing, and and his disciples are gonna have to make choices pretty soon that are gonna be very difficult. And so it's like he's prepping them for the difficulties ahead and the pressures ahead. And my heart in, 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 in this conversation as your pastor is just to go, okay, you feel pressurized right now. You have internal conflict right now. You have decisions you can't decide about right now. And we're kicking them down. We're we're like, well, if I don't decide, then maybe I'll be okay. And the conflict grows, the internal strife grows, the pressure grows, the hopelessness grows. And you just kind of keep waiting for things to get better, normal, different. And and hopefully we won't have to make any decisions. And I feel like Jesus is just going to his disciples going, guys, I want to get you ready for that pressure. I want to get you ready for those decisions. And I would just give yourself a ton of grace in this. You've never had to make these kind of decisions before. Neither have I. We're having conversations we thought we would never have. <laughs> I mean, when when our, our leaders in our state tell us we can't sing in church, I mean, that's a conversation I never would have imagined having to have before, and neither had you. If you're a follower of Jesus, like in America, singing in church is what we do. It's what we've always done. How could we not do it now? Well, there's a pandemic, and it's unsafe, and there's all these kind of opinions and pressures, and well, what if, and what if we don't, and... and, and Who do we listen to and how do we make these decisions? Jesus huddles his guys up, huddles up us today as a church and just gives us some certainty and some clarity. And it starts with just a real simple confession in our heart of really who is our leader? Who is our king? Who is the ultimate authority in your life? I want you to just be encouraged today that Jesus is calling us to claim and confess him as our king. Luke chapter 12, verse one. That intro was way too long and I apologize, but I think we need to get to this passage in a good way. Don't you today? It's, it's an intense one. So look at verse one with me. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together, that they were trampling one another. Just get the scene, people everywhere trampling, trying to figure out who Jesus is, what he's about, what his teaching is, uh, if, if if he's God, if he's the savior, who is this guy? Jesus then began to say to his disciples first, I want you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Leaven, yeast, dough, little bit infects the whole batch. If you're baking, it's a good thing. If your soul is being deceived, it's a really bad thing right? If that internal strife and conflict of hypocrisy begins to work its way into your soul, it will work its way through the whole batch of dough is what he's saying. If that internal conflict, that hypocrisy is inside you right now, it's going to work its way. Be careful, he says. I'm warning you. What is hypocrisy? Ultimately, it's an act. You're, you're being one person here and another person here. I'm honoring people here and I'm honoring God over here. And it feels like the choices are impossible because we're we're supposed to honor our leadership. We're supposed to honor our government. We're supposed to uh, submit to these rules and these laws and these regulations. And, And when they come into direct opposition to God's leadership or God's word, what do we do? How do we make decisions? This tension just grows in our hearts. Jesus said, I want you to be aware and beware of this leaven of the Pharisees called hypocrisy. Pharisees were these religious leaders of the day that would would make these massive shows about their religion. And if you were with us last week, Shane did such a good job breaking down just how corrupt on the inside these guys were, even though on the outside they looked very good, very pleasing to people internally, very far from God. He said, I want you to beware of this leaven, this hypocrisy in your own heart. He said, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. Stuff is gonna get exposed. It's gonna be brought into the light or hidden that will not be known. He says, therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Everything is gonna come to light. Who do we please? Who do we live for? What decisions do we make? All of this is gonna be born out into the light. And he goes on and he says, here's what I want you to do, my friends. Don't fear, do not fear. Do not fear those who can kill the body, real life. Don't fear people, don't fear man. After that, they have nothing more that they can do to you. But I warn you whom to fear, fear him, God, who has the power after you've been killed and the authority to cast you into hell. That's who you should fear. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You see the, you see the distinction here, right? Hypocrisy is trying to fear both. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Fear one. Fear God above everyone and everything else. If you're God above a pandemic, if you're God above a government, if you're God above everything, and I know that those are conflicting statements for many of us, so I don't say that like lightheartedly, like ooh, like this is a fun conversation. It's really hard to discern this, but He says, "I want you to fear God above everything and everyone else. Don't be conflicted internally. Put your focus, your attention, your fear around who God is. He has the power and the authority." to condemn your soul to an eternal place called hell. That's who you should fear. We are eternal beings. We are passing through this life. This is not our home. Eternity is waiting for us. And that eternity is going to be either with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. What, who, who we claim as our King, Jesus or the world will determine how eternity goes. Don't fear the world. Don't fear people, fear God. He says, listen, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And are not one of them is forgotten before God? They're almost insignificant, worthless, he says, (laughs) but not even one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Think of this, fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. So on one hand, Jesus says, fear God, because he can cast you into hell, But when you fear him, know this, he loves you. Every hair on your head is numbered by God. That's how intimately he knows you. When he knit you together in your mother's womb, he had a plan for you, a purpose for you. The love of God is not stopped by all of this craziness that's happening in your world right now. The love of God is not sidestepped or sideswiped by any of this craziness that you are navigating right now. He still knows you. He still knows every hair on your head. He still knows the plans and the purposes that he has for your life. None of that has stopped because of all of this pressure that you're navigating right now. Fear God. And I tell you, Jesus breaks it down straight up right here. So just buckle up for this statement, okay? He says, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. If you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the angels of God. If you say, Jesus is my king, then he'll say at eternity, that's my son, that's my daughter. But if you deny me before men, you will be denied before the angels of God. You could picture judgment day here, when all of creation, all of humanity, from all of e- all of the world, from all of human history is gathered up in this one final concluding day. Eternity is at stake. Have you declared Jesus as your king or not? That is the line in the sand. If you have confessed me before man, he says, then I'll confess you before my father in heaven. But if you deny me, I'll deny you. Choose your king. Pick which one you're going to follow. Don't be hypocritical. Don't try to please man and God. Choose Jesus. He says, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Why don't you just hear this? Jesus is saying, hey, if you give the devil credit for the work of God, you will not be forgiven. That's what it means to blaspheme. Actually say, oh, that's the work of the devil when it is clearly the work of God. He says, when you, when they bring you before the synagogue, this is like the church leader or the rulers or the authorities. He says, don't be anxious about how you, how you should defend yourself. Like, oh, well, maybe I should people please now and switch back to fearing man instead of fearing God. Maybe I should try to please these people instead of pleasing God. Don't worry, he says, for the, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Told you, right? We've got to kind of buckle up for this conversation. It's intense. But I love that Jesus is bringing this to his disciples to help them really clarify their hearts. Who, who is your king? Have you claimed him? Have you confessed him as your king? Is Jesus really the one that you are following? See, I think for those of us that understand who Jesus is, he is the savior of the world. He's the one that came to earth, God himself lived a sinless and perfect life and walked this way so that he could substitute his perfection for all of our imperfection. See this is the good news is that Jesus came not to condemn, but to save. He, he he came to offer you salvation and life and freedom and hope for all of eternity. Not just hope for this life, but hope for the life to come. This is why he came, right? Was to 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 offer this gift of salvation to all mankind. But here's what it what it takes from us is a repentant heart that confesses he is God, you are my savior, Jesus, you are my leader, you are my God, you are my authority, you are my king. It's us taking a step out of any worldly connection as our authority and placing Jesus as the ultimate authority in our life. And that's a difficult decision, right? especially if we're struggling with pleasing men and pleasing people around us or, or, or trying to please those that are in authority right now. Man, never in history have we had to make these kind of decisions before. And so it's really important that we, we do this from a biblical perspective, not a political one, that from a biblical perspective we say, okay, Jesus, what are you saying to me? How do we process these decisions? How do we filter through pleasing man and pleasing God? How do we do this? I think he, he walks us through this passage so well. First, you see him just calling the disciples to this place of, of confessing who God is, the authority of God, right? I, I want you guys to really understand who you should fear. Don't fear the ones that can only kill, kill your body. <laughs> I want you to think about this. Like the thing that marks the world is fear of death. Like a mark of people without the spirit of God inside them is a fear of death. A mark of Jesus' people is no fear of death. Why is that? Because Jesus was killed. He was put in the grave. And and when he went into the grave for three days, you know what he conquered? Sin, death, itself. The, the, the sting of death has lost its, its victory. It's lost its sting in the hearts of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Death no longer is our master. It's no longer the thing that we fear. So he's like, hey, don't fear those that can kill your body. Death is not your end. You are an eternal soul that will live forever with God if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. We have no reason to fear death. Man, what would cause the church thousands of years ago to run into the middle of a plague? Not run away from it, uh-uh, but to run right headlong into the middle of it. No concern for personal safety. They knew death was not their end. Like never would we think about these things in, in previous American church history. But now we are faced with some of these decisions. Wow. He says, don't fear those that, that can only kill the body. I want you to fear the one that actually has the power and the authority to cast you into hell. Yikes. Eternity is a lot longer than your 80, 90, 100 years on this planet, right? And so he's just given us a, a, a simple grid to process these decisions through. Confess the authority of God. Yeah, that's right, God, I forgot. You're God, he's not, they're not, It's so easy as you're reading and you're scrolling and you're listening to all the voices to get consumed with all the authorities, right? And all the authorities say this is dangerous or this is wrong or you should do this and you shouldn't do that and everybody conflicts with everybody. Who is our authority? Claim, confess your authority. God, you are my authority. Jesus, you are in charge of this life. You're in charge of this soul. You are the ultimate decision maker for this life. I mean, who would have thought like planting a church would have been this big internal conflict like I was describing earlier. It it almost felt like it was Jesus or my wife. That wasn't the case, but that's how it felt in that moment, right? And and yet at the same time, I love that God brought my wife and I together around this decision 10 years into this process. What a gift, what a miracle that her and I could be wholeheartedly in this together because Jesus is our King. He is our authority, I'm submitted to him, she submitted him, he is the one that brought us together. Not my, my words, not the, not the idea of a church plant, it was, it was my heart and her heart, both equally submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. This is the only hope that the church has in a time like this, when so many conflicting voices are competing for your authority, for, for your attention, as the authority in your life. The only hope we have is that we would have one voice that leads every one of our hearts, his name is Jesus. And so it's time, as a church, to confess the ultimate authority in your life. Jesus, you are my king. Just say it out loud. You gotta tell your heart the truth. You are my my king, you are my leader, you are my authority. Ultimately, every decision comes down to what does Jesus think? What does God want me to do? How does he want me to love? How does he want me to serve in the middle of a pandemic? How does he want me to do these holidays? How does he want me to navigate these tensions and pressure? God, show me, lead me, tell me. The strength of Jesus' church is not like the the, the perfect preaching or the, the perfect authority from the stage, but the spirit of God inside the heart of every believer convicting us and leading us to know the truth of the authority of Jesus Christ. This is what unifies Jesus' church is that we have the same spirit inside of us leading us to the truth of who Jesus is. He is our king confess his authority in your life. You are are in control. In that same passage, though, Jesus goes, yeah, but he also knows every hair on your head. (laughs) So when you claim your king and, and, and confess the authority of God in your life, you also gotta confess his goodness. You gotta know that he loves you, that he's not out to harm you. He's not trying to keep you down, limit you. He has a plan, a purpose for your life and his goodness dictates that purpose. You know, God's heart is that every person on this planet would know his love. That's how good he is. That's why he came to earth as a a baby, grew up in all the mess of of real life and, and was willing to die so that every human being through all of history could know the salvation and the goodness of God. This is how good God is. He doesn't stay at a distance and hope you figure this mess out. He comes in the middle of it with you and leads you through it toward his glory, toward his purpose. He is so good that it's worth reminding your heart today to confess, God, that's right, you're good. In a world where everything is so confusing and pressurized, you are good. You are faithful, you are loving, you are kind, you are just, you are my king, and I choose to trust your leadership in this time, even if it's in the face of those that are in authority in my land. Whatever you lead me to, God, I am gonna follow because you are good, right? You you gotta just kind of settle your heart there. You gotta remind your heart of the truth. I was reading... This morning, the end of Philippians, Paul's in jail because he's been disobeying the leaders of his land. He's been obeying God rather than the leaders of his land. Never would we ever thought that these are conversations and tensions we would be facing, but we're facing them now. So he's in jail writing to a church that he planted in Philippi. And he says to him at the end, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very last verse of that whole letter, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be in your spirit, on your spirit. Your spirit is your soul. It's this inner being of who you are. Where hypocrisy weighs the heaviest is in your soul. What is it again? It's that tension, do I please man or God? Do I please these people? Do I listen to these voices or God's voice? And he said, I want the grace of Jesus. He just declares that over the church in Philippi. May the grace of Jesus Christ be on your soul. May your spirit not be, may, may it not be like vexed by all of these complications and pressures and, and, and all of this confusion, but may it just be pure, clean, simple, covered by the grace of God. See, as we confess his goodness, that grace just washes over our spirit. Ah. <sighs> That's right, God, you're good. You haven't stopped being good. You won't stop being good. You are good. Thank you. Sets you at peace. Sets you at ease. You can make decisions from there. You can't make decisions from an all bound up, crazy, vexed spirit, but from a place of just peace. God, you're good. Yeah, okay. I'm empowered. I'm full of your spirit. You're going to lead me into all truth. You're going to help me to take the steps you want me to take. Thank you, God. And lastly, Jesus draws the line in the sand, right? You got you to gotta confess your allegiance to Jesus. He said, if you would confess me before man, then I'll confess you before angels and my father in heaven. But if you don't, then I won't. What is he doing? He's He's, he's pushing us to that edge where, where we might have the temptation to bail out is right here at this line. When the pressure's on and the people are asking and the people are watching your comments online and they're wondering where you stand on this issue or that issue, which which political stance you're gonna take, which pandemic stance you're gonna take. When people are pressurizing you, Jesus is going, hang on a second. I want you to make sure the ultimate allegiance in your heart is to me, to my kingdom, to my leadership in your life. Like I shared in my story early, my, my mentor that was pushing me to make a decision about church planting, I did not like that push, but I needed that push. What did I wanna do? I wanted to sit in ambiguity. I wanted to sit in indecision. Because it feels like if I don't have to make a decision, then maybe I won't be, be, be in, a, in a wrong place. Aren't you afraid of making the wrong decision right now? And Jesus just gently pushes his disciples right up to the edge and says, listen, you gotta make the decision. I know it's uncomfortable for you, but you gotta claim your allegiance right now. Who is your king? Is it me or is it the world? And as he, as he does this, I think there's just a simple kind of like, yeah, you're right. It just draws us to a resolute spot. I haven't thought about that way before Jesus, but you're right. <laughs> I love how he's just like, listen, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get pressurized and you confess me as your king and people are gonna drag you in front of a court or a, a ruler or an authority or penalize you or write you a ticket or, or cause you to you know, look bad on social media or whatever it is that you might be afraid of, don't worry. My spirit will fill you with exactly what to say in that moment, don't stress. If you claim me as your king, if you confess your allegiance to me, I will lead you in those moments. Those moments that you're most afraid of, those moments where you would have the greatest temptation to bail on Jesus' leadership in your life and try to pick the other way, that hypocritical moment that you're most terrified of when the pressure's on and people are watching and you're not sure what to say to get it right to please them and God. He said, don't stress. If you claim me as your king, the Holy Spirit inside you will teach you exactly what to say in that moment. What a gift. God's not like standing back going, you better figure this one out real life. And and if you don't, then I'm just going to squish you. No, he's like, hey, I love you. I'm going to lead you through this. I'm going to walk you through every situation, every impossibility, every moment that you're terrified of. I am going to be there, right there with you, teaching you exactly what to say. I'm going to walk you hand in hand. I'm going to walk with you through every bit of that. You don't got to fear any of that. My spirit is in you if you've confessed Jesus Christ. He is gonna empower you. He's gonna fill you with my words, with my heart, with exactly what you need to say in that moment. I don't know if you've ever experienced it before, but when you open your mouth and it is clearly the spirit of God just moving through you. And every time that has happened in my life, it is just this overwhelming sense of grace. God, you are so good, you're so loving that you would fill my mouth with those words right now. Those are not my words. That was not my wisdom. That was not my great ability or my influence or my kind of ability to, to you know, maneuver around people. That was God. Man, I want that for you. The way to be in those moments is to confess your allegiance to Jesus as the ultimate authority in your life and trust that his spirit is gonna give you exactly what you need to say in those moments. Maybe you're trying not to ruin Jesus' reputation in people's lives. Maybe you're afraid of how you handle in the pandemic might offend other people. Don't worry. Jesus is going to give you exactly the words to say in those moments. My prayer is that you're filled with hope through this conversation, you're filled with courage, and that you're brought to that line Jesus, you're my king. You're my authority. You're the leader of this heart. I want to pray for you today. God, you see every person right now, every conflict, every hypocritical thought, every tendency to be wishy-washy and, and go back and forth, God, and all the confusion and lack of clarity that we're not sure how to navigate, God. I just pray your courage, your spirit, your power over your church right now. You didn't give us a, a spirit of fear, but of love and power and in, in a sound mind, not a divided mind, a sound mind. God, that's your spirit, a spirit of unity, a spirit of conviction, a spirit of power, got a spirit of love where we've gotten distracted. God, by this internal conflict and forgotten to love people and rescue people out of hell. God, forgive us. God draw your church back to unity around your mission God, draw our hearts to a place of humility and and just repentance, God. Forgive us for being so enamored with these broken conversations and forgetting about the neighbor that is isolated and alone right now. Forgive us, God. We want your heart. We want your mission. We want your passion beating inside of our hearts, God. I just pray your courage, your confidence into your church. God, every soul that's tuning in right now, God, would you fill them with your confidence, fill them with your spirit, fill them with your grace, fill them with your power, with your love. God, every divided heart, just shore it up, give them the courage to confess you as their King, God. No, you're so faithful. You're so good. You're so loving. You're so kind, God. You know, every person by name, every hair on every head, every heart, every struggle, every sin, every apprehension, God, you know every bit of it and you love us and you call us by name today, God. We thank you, we trust you in your name, amen. Here's my hope, you'd confess Jesus as your king. If this is the first time for you and you have not been baptized, that is your next step. That's the step of everybody in scripture when they confess Jesus as king, they're baptized. Some people have cost them their life. It's not like that right now in our country. My call and my encouragement to you is to take that step immediately. That's, That's my hope for all of us, is that when we hear Jesus call us, we confess him as our King, that we would obey him immediately. We would not delay. Every time in scripture somebody says yes to Jesus, they're baptized on the spot, in the moment, side of the road, middle of the night, whatever they gotta do, we're here to help. That's why we got the number for you to text. That's why we're in the comments with you. We wanna help you take your next steps today. We are with you real life. We want to walk together through this. Let us help claim your King. Jesus is our King. I love you so much. Let's worship together. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.